As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. We'd like to welcome you to Jackson Hole, and we'd like to welcome Austin Goolsby to our studios here. Thank you very much for coming out on this gorgeous day here. Uh, I know lunch is coming up. You'll want to get to that. But we first have to ask you about Jay Powell's speech. There's been some feeling it was generally hawkish. Uh, what's your take on it as somebody he's going to try to persuade one way or another? I, I don't totally know. I, I don't want to try to get, get in Jay's head. I thought... He rightfully was respectful on the, this is not a mission accomplished announcement. We've seen progress for a few months on price inflation, which is what we need to see, highlighting the kind of the three areas of goods, services, and housing. But that the job's not done. You know, the, the, the inflation rate is still higher than where we want it to be. And so the implication being all this discussion about, oh, maybe we should change the target, declare victory, that you, you can't do that until you've hit the target. You can't just say, ah, oh, we, did, we didn't want it anyway. Well, what's it going to take to hit the target? He raised the idea that the economy is growing faster than you all had expected, and therefore that could be inflationary and you might have to take action against it. Yeah, well, look, we might. I've been talking about what I call the golden path, which which is not normally feasible. It's, it's not normally an option for central banks that if you could get inflation down without a big recession, that'd be a major triumph for the Fed or anybody. It'd be virtually without precedent. But we're part of the way down that road. And we've been getting good news. We just have to keep getting good news. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the, the argument that there's a stable relationship, let's call it, between economic growth or the unemployment rate and the rate of inflation, that, that's a model. That's a theory. And that theory hasn't, hasn't done very well. It wasn't doing that well even before the pandemic, and it hasn't done that well coming out of the pandemic. So I guess I would just have a note of caution. Let's not, let's not over-index on numbers like wage growth as an indicator of inflation, because historically that has tended not to be a leading indicator for price inflation. And let's not over-index on a quarterly growth rate as that means what's what's about to happen to inflation because We've been several months now where those two haven't been that correlated. Well, the implication of a faster growth rate is that demand is going to be greater than supply, which will be inflationary. Do you see the economy in that situation? Well, now, hold on. It could mean that. That could be one interpretation. But the other important interpretation, and some of the researchers that are presenting their papers here at the conference are highlighting you can't forget about what's happening on the supply side. We went through this period where 
some significant chunk of the inflation that we saw that was unexpected came from the supply side deteriorating and interference, supply chain interruptions, et cetera. So if you fix the supply chain interruptions, you could get a drop in inflation without a decrease in, uh, in output. Or you could have GDP growth that was faster than even trend without it being inflationary. So that's part of the that's part of the confusing cloud that we're that we're you know trying to trying to see through. Uh, and so I, I do think we should keep both sides of it in mind. One of the things that uh, was inflationary, as you point out, it follows inflation, but that's wages. And now we're getting into the contract pattern bargaining uh, season, especially with auto workers. You yep. have a big auto workers district. Are you concerned, uh, if, uh, by the way, the United Auto Workers took their official strike vote today, you probably know that, that they could go on strike before September 15th. Uh, do you worry about that? I definitely worry about that. It seems like every three to four years in the seventh district, where Chicago's the head, that's the most auto-intensive of all the Fed districts. Every three or four years, we think about this issue. If there was a big strike that affected multiple auto manufacturers and lasted for a long time, my fear is that would have a pretty material impact on the manufacturing economy. So that's that's where my head is. Uh, About wages, as I highlight, as we've just described, I think wages move slower than prices. When things happen in the economy, prices go up first, then wages go up. As prices come down, then wages will come down. If your decision rule were, I'm going to just keep slamming on the brakes until I finally see wages get down to growth of, of 2% a year, consistent with 2% a year, you will almost certainly overshoot because the prices will have hap- that, that will have happened in prices before before wages. So I, I do think we should keep that in mind as we're going into contract season. Much of what we're seeing on wages now are reflecting what happened with prices six months ago. Well, if we get big increases, do you think the auto companies and then all the parts suppliers, are we going to see a trickle up of higher prices to make up for it? Well, the, the, you, I think that's describing a wage price spiral. That it's I'm like, hey, if, that the wage, if the wages went could, up, yeah. would that lead to higher prices? The, Rather than talk about that in theory, I would like to think about that in the data. Historically, and in this current period, we're not seeing really any evidence of wage price spiral at this point. What we're seeing in wage growth is largely what we saw in price growth from six months ago. They're a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. So that's why I've tried to highlight, let's look at the new months of price inflation data, especially goods and housing, which in the short run, those are the things that got to start coming down notably. They did for a couple of months, and that needs to continue for the Fed to feel like it's, it's on the golden path. You mentioned housing. It's an unusual situation because we went into this higher inflation period with so many people having very low mortgages yes. that the housing market is essentially frozen now. Have you sort of destroyed the housing market for a generation? 
Uh, I hope not. I, I mean, I think you're right. It's unusual. And as interest rates change in the short run, especially when they go up rapidly like they have over the last year and a half, it affects both the demand for housing, the traditional channel, but also the supply of housing. People are like, well, I don't want to sell my house. If I got a 3.5% mortgage, if I buy a new house, I'm going to have a 7.5% mortgage. So it can gum up the works a little bit. I don't feel like that's a permanent effect. I mean, this, in a way, like with all the housing, in inflation, it just takes some time to work its way through. And I but feel do we like ever get down to a 3.5% mortgage again? Does the Fed get down interest rates low enough that we see the, the market rates come down as well that far? Well, that, now you're in a. This is a deep. I'm this definitely is trying deep, not deep to rejection. use the word R star. You don't want to use the word R star, but that's kind of the question of, if you come back five years from now, will we be back in this environment where the Fed's trying to figure out what to do and the interest rate is zero percent? I don't think anybody really knows. I think there are a lot of people who have opinions about will we go back to what things were in the mid-2000s where rates were at zero, or will we go back to more historical norms? Some of that has to do with demographics. Uh, we were getting a little too big for our britches, you know, in the central bank world as, as we contemplate that. In the here and now, I think this, let's watch the immediate inflation numbers, the new numbers that are coming in, to whether we convince ourselves that we can stay on this path where we can get inflation down on approaching target without having a big recession. That will be a triumph. I, I cannot emphasize enough. That's virtually unprecedented. That would absolutely be a triumph. And that, that's where we should put our eye right now. Well, the long and variable lags theory would suggest we're still going to see restraint hit the economy. Yep. And we could see a real drop in growth. And some of the soft data that we're getting, the, the sentiment data, suggests that maybe that's coming. Do you think that's uh, a danger at this point? Or can we put the, the hard landing to bed? Is it, look, is definitely a concern. And, and I don't see how you can look at the historical record and not think hard landing should be a concern. It's virtually unprecedented to get inflation down a lot without generating a hard landing and a, and a tough recession. That said, for the last four or five months, we've done something that if you asked a year ago, is that possible? They probably would have said, no, it's not possible. You can't get inflation down as much as we have without unemployment soaring. So in, in a way, we just, we're going to have to continue to play by ear on the data and, and, and manage point to point, as it were. If you don't know where neutral is, essentially, but you have an, a, a continuing drop in inflation, you're going to get real rates going up and adding to the tightness uh, of the yep. credit markets. So do you anticipate that sometime next year you might be uh, essentially cutting rates, but basically trying to adjust them? Rather than get in the hypothetical of what would happen if we had done this and conditions came in, I think you're right to highlight the real rate is our preferred measure. That is the rate minus inflation. That's the right way to think about how tight is the environment. And holding the rate at whatever, five and a half, five and a quarter or something, as inflation goes down, is implicitly tightening because the real rate will, will be going up. 
all it all depends. Nothing's off the table. Nothing's on the table automatically. It all depends on how's inflation going. And you know, we we're meeting every six weeks to try to stay stay up to date with that. And that's that's what makes the job difficult. I mean, that's that's why it's still going to be a time before Chad GPT replaced the FOMC. You know, it, it's it's not always obvious. We we're out talking to business people, talking to, to consumers on the ground trying to get a real-time update that's not yet showed up in the data. We could both get replaced out here, but I hope not because we <laughs> like the view. <laughs> One last quick question, and that is about the balance sheet. Uh, you haven't really hit your targets until very recently, the monthly targets, because, just because of the maturity profile of what the, the Fed is holding. Do you think you need to speed it up? Look, it's a fair question. We should be thinking about the balance sheet side separate from just the rates. All It seems like a, a lot of the debate is about the rates. I feel like there should be a high bar to get off of the pre-planned approach to QT. Just as we learned in the run-up of QE, some forecastable certainty is worth a fair amount so you avoid taper tantrum type situations. I feel like on the downside, there could be conditions that that we would want to change it. But overall, it's got to be a high bar to change it from from what's expected. Austin Goolsby, thanks very much for joining us. The president of the Chicago Federal Reserve Bank. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.